Hello and welcome to this Endo Life. I'm Jessica Duffin. I'm an Endo Warrior and Endo Health Coach, and this podcast is all about living and thriving with endometriosis. As always, this podcast is here for educational purposes only. Please consult your medical practitioner before making any nutritional changes or bringing in any supplements. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to give a shout out to my lovely sponsors at BU. And I wanted to tell you about their new bath bombs, which are naturally made and contain beautiful essential oils. And their peppermint and eucalyptus essential oils um, bath bomb is doing so well right now with endometriosis community. They're getting loads of feedback about it. And, you know, if you love the patches themselves you're going to love the bath bombs because essentially it's (laughs) the patch in a bath bomb um so you know if you're on your period or if you're in pain you could have a bath with some of the bath bombs or one of them i don't know you could have multiple if you want um and then yeah get out the bath maybe rub in some cbd balm and put your patch on top, which is um, what a lot of people are feeding back that they're doing. So um, I would love to do that, but um, I don't have a bath, so I can't. But if you have a bath, um, then, you know, I think these new bath bombs could be a lovely way to help alleviate some of your pain. So if you'd like to check them out, you can go to BU which is buonline.co.uk and you can also order them from anywhere in the world on cultbeauty.co.uk and they deliver worldwide. So before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to give a shout out to the lovely girls at Semaine. They are two sisters with endometriosis. They've been on the show before and they founded Semaine, which is a supplement company for people with periods to originally their first supplement was to aid with PMS and period pain. And I know that it is a lifesaver for so many people with endometriosis and painful periods. I absolutely love that supplement. It's really helped me when I've had to kind of follow protocols for SIBO or, you know, I've had a stressful time and I've been worried about my period. I've been able to avoid a flare with that supplement and they've always been so kind and um, kindly sent me sent me them when I when I've needed them. And now they've come out with a new supplement called the Daily, and it is a hormone balancing supplement, which is designed to help with healthy skin, stable mood, fewer cravings in your luteal phase, blood sugar balance. And they recently gifted it to me. Honestly, I said this to my client the other day. My blood sugar levels have never felt so stable as they did when I was taking that day, daily supplement. As you guys know, I I work very hard to stabilize my blood sugar levels because that will keep inflammation down and it also ensures that you have healthy balanced hormones. It's, it's really, really key. And I have a history of having really unstable blood sugar. Originally growing up, it was because of my eating disorder. But then in later years, it was much more down to firstly following a vegan diet when I didn't understand how to build my plate, a healthy blood sugar balancing plate. And secondly, because of my microbiome and my microbiome because of SIBO is built to actually extract more glucose from my food and cause blood sugar instability. This is actually a really key piece of blood sugar. If your blood sugar is resisting all of the strategies you're trying, that is a massive clue that your microbiome is affecting the way that your blood sugar is is being controlled in your body. So we need to work on that, work on your gut. And mine has improved mine has improved massively, but I still react much more um erratically than someone else would to blood sugar fluctuations. And I couldn't believe the difference. It was like I had a whole month of like stable blood sugar. It was incredible. And as a result, I had much more of a healthier cycle. I felt a lot more satisfied. I had less food cravings. I just felt a lot more stable in energy. So I'm a really big fan of this. And as I said, 
blood sugar is a huge piece to manage in your hormones, hence why blood sugar is such a big part of their, their supplement. So the girls have kindly given me a discount code for you guys. It will get you 20% off your first um, order, whether that's the daily or the PMS and period support capsules. And the code is ENDOLIFE, one word, all caps. So E-N-D-O-L-I-F-E. And that code is valid for the next six months, I believe. So you can use it at any time. Um, So let me know how you get on with them. I'd love to hear if you find them as amazing as I did. And I hope that they bring you a happier and healthier cycle and period. Okay, so you might hear some thunder because it is completely sunny outside and blue skies, yet there is thunder. And last night there was clear sky, huge cloud, well not huge cloud, a single cloud, and there was silent light lightning um silent lightning there was lightning without thunder so the weather is crazy here um and so yeah you might hear some thunder in the background okay so today's episode is with joanna barlett and she is an interstitial cystitis warrior who is thankfully in remission after spending years researching and training in a holistic approach to ic management she is now a certified holistic nutritionist specialized in interstitial cystitis, and she really takes a multifaceted approach to reduce IC symptoms, addressing the whole body rather than the bladder alone. And if you've been with me for a while, you know that I'm a fan of a holistic whole body approach to conditions rather than focusing on one particular area of the body. And we really get into why that's the case in this episode. So in our chat, we discuss Joanna's story of IC and why her journey motivated her to help others experiencing the same chronic pain, the typical symptoms of IC and how it can manifest differently for each person, which is really a really important thing to note because I think there can be quite a lot of confusion around IC and pelvic pain conditions. And we also talk about the various tests for diagnosis and kind of when and when, when and where they're necessary. We also talk about the new subtypes of interstitial cystitis. So bladder-centric, pelvic floor, and chronic overlapping pain conditions. Those are the three subtypes. And we talk about where endometriosis patients fit into this new type of categorization. We talk about the common causes of IC that Joanna sees in her practice, including low estrogen, gut health problems, nervous system upregulation, and pelvic floor conditions why Joanna's approach is whole body rather than bladder specific and how she varies her work with each client, um, but still tends to start with the nervous system. We also talk about how long IC healing typically takes and where to start if you're feeling overwhelmed. And we also talk about Joanna's IC retreat, which is coming up on September 16th to the 18th. And it is held online so you can join wherever you are in the world and you can join whether you think you might have IC, whether you have endo and IC or whether you just have IC alone. And she takes us through the entire retreat, what we can expect, the lineup, talks. I am going to be one of the speakers. I'm going to be talking about the interstitial cystitis, endometriosis and SIBO connection. And you can get 10% off with the code ENDOBELLY10. So all caps, ENDOBELLY, all one word. So E-N-D-O-B-E-L-L-Y-10. So I'll be there as a practitioner and obviously as an IC patient as well. And I'm so excited about the lineup. Dr. Jessica Drummond is also going to be speaking with me as well. She's got two sessions, one on gut health and one on... I think nervous system regulation, but it might be nutrition. You'll have to check. This event is one of a kind. It's a three-day virtual event where you get to speak with industry specialists, learn powerful tools, and see IC in a new and informed light. The idea is that this retreat is here to empower you to advocate for your health through information, education, and support so you can better understand, communicate about your IC symptoms, and relieve your symptoms. Quick disclaimer, I do get a small affiliate percentage with every purchase of the tickets. So thank you very much in advance for supporting the work that I do in this way. All right, let's get to the interview. 
So uh, Joanna, welcome to the podcast and thank you so much for being here. So for anyone who is not familiar with your work, could you introduce yourself and, you know, the work that you're doing in the world and what kind of motivated you to do this work? Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Jessica. It's lovely to be here. Um, so I have had, um, ba- I mean, basically the big part of why I do what I do and I work with people with interstitial cystitis is because I have it myself. Um, I started getting symptoms, I originally thought when I was about 21, mm-hmm. but I actually realized I had quite chronic UTIs. Like I had a few UTIs um, leading up to that. And I just thought, oh, I'm just more prone to UTIs. You know, it's not not an issue. It's fine. Um, And then from about 21 onwards, my symptoms just got progressively kind of worse and worse and worse. Um, And it took years to get a diagnosis. It took years to, you know, really understand what was actually happening. And when I did get a diagnosis, I was absolutely devastated Um, because I was 25, maybe 26. And... um, And so that really just kind of inspired me and put me into the path. I thought people, I don't want people to live with the same kind of confusion and overwhelm and difficulty that I did. And so, um, yeah, I retrained as a holistic nutritionist and started working with people with IC and kind of focusing on very much that the bladder um, is not the only reason that we could be having all of these urinary symptoms there can be so much more going on inside the body which is really good because that's been reflected in the latest AUA guidelines this year um and it's just been a big focus on kind of working on the whole body and what we can actually do to kind of really get to the bottom of those symptoms and not just sort of band-aid fix it okay that's really interesting I want to circle back to this guide that you just mentioned um later on um but let's start with an introduction to interstitial cystitis so we have talked about it on the podcast quite a lot um because it's one of the conditions that I have and it is a condition like a co-condition of endometriosis and SIBO and a lot of my listeners have SIBO and I imagine all of them have endometriosis. Um, So we do talk about it a lot, but, you know, there are new listeners all the time. So if you could take us through, like, what is IC? Like, what are the symptoms? You know, what's the rough definition of it? Um, And then maybe we can talk about what the diagnosis path is like, because it sounds like for you, it was a really tricky process. And for me, I didn't go through all of the kind of normal processes that people go through. I actually kind of figured it out myself as I went through all of my training. And then I went to my GP and I was like, look, I've been tested for like all, you know, um, STIs. I've been tested for UTIs. It's all come back clear. I have a lot of stands for my endometriosis. I've had my end, you know, the the lesions that I had at the time, they've been removed. I think I have IC and a GP was like, yeah, you probably do. Like, do you want to go and have a, you know, a camera shoved up your urethra? And I was like, not really. Like, I'm just, I'm (laughs) not actually keen on that. Yeah. Like I, I, I know it's inflamed. I know it's painful. Like I know how to work with it. So I'm just going to go down my own path, but I know that's not the typical path. Um, so it'd be great to hear like, yeah, the symptoms definition and the general diagnosis pathway. I think the first thing to really focus on is that ever, because I always get so many questions of like, is the, do you think that this could be, I see, do you, you know, yes, there are some things that we can look at, which is similar with for different people uh sorry for sort of a lot of us but we're all so individual Mm -hmm. so your symptoms for example could be completely different to mine and it could still be IC right so it's general urinary pain intense pelvic pain there can be pain in our pelvis or between the vagina and anus urgency frequency you know pain or discomfort when the bladder fills sometimes we find that there's some relief when we relieve the bladder and it's just general pain with urination it can be in the urethra it can be in the bladder itself it's just general pelvic pain and urinary pain really I think is the most broad way that I think we can describe it whilst focusing on the fact that we are all so different Mm -hmm. um Sorry, I was going to say it's really interesting that you're mentioning like the difference because 
you know, I don't get burning in my urethra at all. Mm-hmm. Mine is all in my bladder. And the, I don't really get, the worst pain that I get is after urination. It like, especially if I, for some reason, I don't know, say I've, I've been in the car for a long time or I've been asleep and I wake up and I'm like, oh, I really need to pee. But it hurts because I need to pee. But then once I go, it's almost like, I don't know what it is. It feels like like there's like an acid that's been left over <laughs> and everything's now burning. It, it's just heightened once the bladder's emptied, but it's not, It's it comes worse when the bladder's been really full. Um, so yeah. it's really interesting how people, I don't really feel relief from urination, you know, and other people will and other people get burning in their urethra, but I don't. So it's just it's so interesting how, I'm the same. I get a lot of clients being like, well, do you think this is IC or do you think this is the endo? So it's really interesting just that you bring that up. It's difficult with pelvic conditions to kind of figure out which is which, Mm. like what's affecting more, you know, and what's affecting less. So my symptoms have primarily always been um, in my urethra, Mm -hmm. kind of like glass. Um, But I'm the same as you. I didn't used to find any relief when I went for a wee it would actually get worse so I would have like shooting pains afterwards and I'd sit there for a while and it just and it just didn't get better but some people find that the more full their bladder gets then they when they relieve they're fine for a bit so it's just and that's the thing is I think we're all so different aren't we with our symptoms particularly when we're living with co-conditions like endo or whatever else there could be happening that it's, it's just difficult to kind of pinpoint what's going on, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, anyway, sorry, c- carry on. I just wanted to add <laughs> that bit because I think it's important that we absolutely. talk about real life scenarios, right? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So the definition um, is usually sort of six or more weeks of chronic uh, sort of pelvic and urinary pain when there's nothing else going on. So, you know, usually, and this kind of leads into diagnosis a little bit more. So, you know, when we start having these chronic urinary symptoms, we usually start getting different tests for things. So we'll start having, you know, ultrasounds um, to check that the urinary tract and the kidneys are okay and the actual bladder is okay. We'll have actual urine tests to check that there's no underlying infection. Uh, We'll have the cystoscopy to check inside the bladder, um, which is the one that you didn't want. And I actually didn't have it as well. Mm. Uh, She offered it to me, my urologist did. And I said, no, thank you. I would like to to never do that. (laughs) I have so much urethral pain anyway. I can't think of anything worse. Um, And she also advised that they were very unlikely to find anything. And it was just like, so I thought, nah, (laughs) not not going to do that. Um, So that's kind of the diagnosis thing. And when they've sort of ruled out and checked that everything there is actually okay, so they've checked that, you know, there's nothing actually wrong with you, then there's when we usually start thinking about getting the IC diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And do you, I mean... Uh, this this probably comes later on into our conversation, but just as it's on my mind, there is, oh, I can't remember her name, Ruth someone. So she is, I think she's a doctor, maybe a nutritionist, but she's a specialist, IC specialist in America. Mm-hmm. And she says that um, nearly all, or in fact, she might say all of her patients actually have chronic embedded UTIs that are hidden Mm -hmm. from standard tests. And most of the time, general practitioners and general urologists don't do the more advanced tests. And so she believes that IC is actually a chronic embedded UTI. And there may be other things contributing to the symptoms and the pain, which we both know of and we'll get to. But I wondered, because we just talked about excluding like UTIs, often those common ones are excluded, but the more complex ones or the hidden ones aren't. So I just wondered what your thoughts are on that, because I got a test last year. I haven't got the treatment for it yet, um, just because I've been working on my SIBO and stuff. But I did the microgen diagnostic test, which is sort of like, Yeah. yeah, one of the best now that you can get. And I have, it's supposed to test for like, all of your microbes in your bladder and I'm basically 100% infection 
<laughs> in my bladder. It gives like it gives like the percentages. I don't know if you've seen it, but the percentages of microbes in your bladder and which ones. Um, and I just wondered what your thoughts are on, you know, do you think it is a collection of different things or do you think it could be this chronic embedded UTI that we're missing because we don't have the technology? I think that there are definitely people who do have chronic embedded UTIs and they do get passed off as having IC. There is no doubt about that, that some people genuinely do just have a really chronic, you know, embedded UTIs, which aren't being picked up. But um, there is also the, you know, the other things that we need to to look at, which is sort of the subtypes of the of IC. So this is things like Hunter's lesions, which is obviously a very small percentage mm-hmm. of people, but, you know, uh, those who have estrogen, estrogen, estrogen atrophy that causes the symptoms, or we've got people with pelvic floor dysfunction, or you know we've got um, different things that could be going on which could be causing the IC symptoms, um, which aren't related to embedded infection. So I think embedded infection is definitely something, but there's also other things that it's very important to look at like overlapping pain conditions and you know estrogen deficiencies and different vaginal infections which cause urinary symptoms as well and various different things which could also be going on which also all fall under the umbrella of IC. Yeah absolutely so let's talk about you know in your practice um, what do you see as some of the common causes of IC and obviously I know that it's very broad, but are there typical like causes that you tend to see? You've already touched upon some of them, but if we could kind of dive deeper, that would be great. Yeah, definitely. So the most common ones which I really see are people with a really chronic nervous system dysfunction and where their pain brain connection is really trapped in a loop. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a really big thing that I see. So people start to feel very anxious about symptoms and things just get very, you know, much worse. I see a lot of pelvic floor dysfunction, um, estrogen deficiency are kind of the biggest ones I think I see within my clients. Um, And yeah, some who have a lot of sensitivities to different foods. So obviously we then work on kind of checking which foods exactly they are. A lot of fear around food. That's kind of the bigger ones that... um, that I see, but I think that really it is crucial to look at the at the subtyping, to be honest. So, for example, we've now been split into three subtypes from the AUA, which has been changed. And so we've got bladder centrics. So that's those who've got Hunter's lesions, which tends to be pain with um, bladder filling or small smaller bladder capacity. Okay. Um, and that kind of fits into the same category category as estrogen atafree. Uh, atafree. Uh, I can't say it. Low estrogen? Low estrogen. <laughs> estrogen. Let's just go with that. That's what I say. <laughs> Um, or those who have lower lower estrogen um, and chemocystitis, because we can start to see symptoms from a lot of um, chemical toxicity as well. Okay, and for anyone who is, I mean, we talk a lot about hormonal imbalances on here, but mm-hmm. for anyone who's not kind of clear of the estrogen bladder kind of pelvic floor <laughs> link, could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, why definitely. would that be causing people's symptoms? Yeah, so we have, if you think about the vagina and the urinary tract and the bladder and everything like that, they are a mucous membrane, so like your mouth. Mm-hmm. So what happens is when we have low estrogen, they tend to get drier, which means that we can end up with sort of pain when we've got urination because the urine is so acidic that it causes more and more pain. So when we have that, what it can then lead to is it can lead to different things like, you know, the pelvic floor muscles are trying to protect you and guard you. And we end up then with pelvic floor dysfunction as well. So when we've got all of this problem with low estrogen, we really need to focus on bringing that back up so that we can start bringing that mucousy sort of membrane back into those really important organs and bring back the, the, the wetness so that things just sort of are less painful when we are urinating. Yeah, absolutely. And also there's, you know, this serotonin um, link with estrogen too, because estrogen helps uh, to support serotonin production. And if we've got less of the happy hormones, less of those pain relieving hormones too, 
Um, that can create heightened nerve sensitivity. Like there's so much that can be linked back, you know, to one one imbalance in the body can just have like um, a ripple effect really. Absolutely. It can be a kind of catalyst, can't it, to just loads of different things going on. So we could start with just each estrogen um, deficiency, which can lead to pelvic floor dysfunction or, you know, problems with the nervous system. And then we end up with a chronic pain brain loop. Mm-hmm. And then we have to sort of all of these different things. But it really is important to kind of treat treat the root of it to kind of then start working on the rest of them. So that is the, um, remind me, what's this guide called? Because I haven't heard of it before. It's the American Neurological Association. They produced new guidelines this year. Okay. So twenty, I think the last ones were in 2014. And they updated the guidelines this year. Um, and they kind of changed the subtypes into three of them. So we've got bladder centric. Which is what you just took uh, us through, the bladder centric. Yeah, okay. we've got pelvic floor centric. And then we've got chronic overlapping pain conditions. And they're kind of focusing on the fact that actually... Um, I see isn't just a bladder condition anymore. So they're kind of focusing on it as a pelvic pain syndrome instead, because there's so many different things that could be happening in the in the in the pelvis really mm. to create urinary problems. Okay. So would you be able to take us through the the other two subtypes, if that's possible? Yes. Great. Of course. So we've then got pelvic floor centric. Mm. So this is people who have got really tight, sensitive pelvic floor muscles. So this can be caused from anything from a tailbone injury to you know, uh, really tight pelvic floor muscles because of the estrogen deficiency or, um, you know, anything from nerve pain or anything like that, which can cause the muscles to tighten up. Okay. And it causes a lot of pain then for urinating and for relaxing to actually be able to urinate. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I, I had a really bad spinal injury, so <laughs> that rings a bell for me. Yeah, and it was something that as I started reading about it, I realized that I had two really nasty um, falls in my just wearing really stupid high heels um, and fell down some stairs on two separate occasions. Oh, my gosh. Um, And on the second one, I was pretty sure that I'd broken my tailbone. (gasps) um it was a I landed like you know on the corner of a of a sort of step I fell right onto that onto my tailbone and I couldn't really sit down for days I couldn't put any pressure on it It was awful yeah that sounds sounds Um, horrible and that can actually sort of set off I see symptoms as well Mm -hmm. um which is great (laughs) yeah because I wonder if this is a similar um I'm going to completely butcher this because I'm not a scientist but um, there is a paper, um, and I went to a lecture on it, where they found that with endometriosis, you might have endometriosis present, the lesions are already present, but you're walking around and you have no symptoms whatsoever. And then you have something happen to your pelvis, you have a trauma to the pelvis. And because we have such a huge amount of nerves in the pelvic area, this then triggers a pain reaction in other places within the pelvis. So basically the body's like, oh, we've had this threat to the tailbone. Oh shit, there's also lesions over there. So I'm going to start sending messages from those lesions to the brain, right? It becomes like a a, a web that spreads out. Um, so people may not have had symptoms of endo and then suddenly something happens to them and they have symptoms of endo. That happened to me. I, I didn't have any symptoms. I then had a car accident and then I had endo symptoms start. I, and I broke like my pelvis and my hips and my spines just for context. So what you're saying, I wonder if it works in the same way with, you know, the nerve sensitivity being triggered, right? Absolutely. And that's kind of what the the third category is, which is overlapping pain conditions. Mm -hmm. So which is why it's so important to work on the pain brain connection when we're actually going through all of these different things, because our nervous system tends to be in really severe fight or flight instead of, you know, rest, rest, the restful state that we want it to be in. Um, and so, you know, the final category is is people that we see that have got more than one more, uh, pain condition. So we could have IC, IBS, vulvodynia, fibromyalgia, TMJ, endo, all of these different things. And that's why they're so linked together. And, you know, our nervous system is in just complete distress. Okay. This is so interesting. I, um, 
can you send me the link to this guide and I'll put it in the show notes because it's absolutely of course this is great that we're having this conversation now like that this has been updated because our previous conversations haven't included this update because it was before the update so um I think this is going to be really helpful for people yeah it's really interesting for me it's a really interesting read I don't think for many other people but it is it's a very very interesting um document to read and the the fact that we are focusing now on this not just being a bladder can you know a bladder condition which is why when we're having all of these treatments to our bladders um that we're not seeing any improvement Mm. because a lot of the the actual I mean my bladder is perfect there's nothing wrong with my bladder yeah you know and that's people yeah, absolutely. And that's, I think, helpful for clients and patients to understand when there's guidance, we're not just like a hippie practitioner who's like, well, you've got to treat the whole body and the mind. It's like, and they're like, yeah, but give me the supplements of the bladder. You know, it's it helps, I think, for people to understand yeah. that the body doesn't, you know, the, the bladder doesn't exist in a vacuum nor does the mind, yeah. all of these things interconnect. So it's really important that we take that into consideration. Um, Absolutely. Okay, so this is super helpful. So those are some of the common um, causes that you see, and then you've taken us into these subtypes, which is really helpful. So um, just to recap, so you see pelvic floor dysfunction, uh, upregulated mm-hmm. nervous system, low estrogen, and then I think you said nervous, uh, like nerve pain. Um, or no overlapping kind of pain conditions what about inflammation do you see inflammation being a key issue I do but honestly less but you know when we've also got chronic nervous system dysregulation there's always inflammation in the body so it will be hiding in there somewhere Um, but the the big big issues that I see is gut problems um, estrogen problems nervous system problems and pelvic floor dysfunction they're the sort of the big the big ones that that I see and the gut is a huge one in this as you know as well Mm -hmm. and also if you've got like a gut problem then you're going to have inflammation right cascading like over into the pelvic region because 70% of the immune system is in and around the gut right if the gut's inflamed then then at least the abdominal area is inflamed, but usually the rest of your body to a degree. Um, Absolutely. So that makes sense. Okay, so what would be your approach to managing IC and reducing symptoms? Because I find it quite interesting that some practitioners I speak to will really focus heavily on the pelvic floor. Um, Some of them will go kind of quite hardcore into like removing all oxalates and histamines. So what's what's your general approach the thing is with IC is it's also individual Mm. so there could be so many different things going on and you know I wouldn't be able to work with someone on their IC with you is the same way I would for myself for example right because our symptoms are going to be so different so it really depends on what's going on for a person so and the symptoms that they're exhibiting like if somebody's got you know if somebody's had years of antibiotic use um because they thought that they had chronic UTIs, you know, then it's going to be very important to work on the gut. So where I'm not a specialist in a gut, and I do like, you know, people to, you know, when we work together to be seen by a few people so that they can really get the best of it, you know, they'll have sessions with a gut expert who kind of goes through all of those different things with them. Um, We'll work on hormones if that's the case, if, you know, if we're looking at low estrogen or if there's a hormonal imbalance, you know, we'll kind of take it case by case, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but for everybody, there are a few basic things. So we always work on the nervous system. Um, we always work on food and making because a lot of the time people are living on a very restrictive IC, yeah. you know, they've eliminated everything, which is a lot of the time not necessary um so we'll kind of work as a basic for everyone is nervous system food sort of check to see what's happening with the gut because a lot of times people don't realize that there's anything wrong with their tummy um and kind of focus on a few stretches kind of actually focusing and reframing some ideas on day-to-day life and turning things which are mundane and boring into a rituals to kind of make people slowly get out of pain but also live a bit more of a rich life you know and kind of be able to back to enjoying things because with chronic pain we do lose so much enjoyment from life it's ridiculous so 
there's a big focus around that as well. Yeah, and I think IC in particular is a condition that can just absolutely rob someone of quality of life. I mean, you know, I've had, I've been aware of having endo since I was like 18 um, and the IC kicked in at about that age as well. Not that I knew that because I just, I thought it was endo at first. Um, But now not everyone who's listening will experience this. I have a lot of people who have chronic daily pain from endo, but I didn't. Um, Mine was cyclical. And I mean, there was a period of time when it, it was more daily but um in contrast to the IC I mean you're you're urinating especially if you've got IC right I can wee like 30 times a day um Mm. and so it's kind of like you can't whereas like when I used to have endo pain it would be around menstruation or leading up to that time I would have a bit of a break from it I didn't have a break from like the other symptoms it came with like chronic fatigue and things but the pain I did whereas with I see when it got to its worst in the past like four years and thankfully like I think I'm starting to get to the other side now but you know like I was not sleeping there were days when I hadn't slept for days and days because it was so bad and I was averaging at like three or four hours sleep a night and Mm. it was with me all the time and it just takes it it's it's changed me it's really changed me like my personality is different like it's huge though and people don't see that side of it and it's something that I mean I was in the same position as you I would find myself in the shower on the floor at 2 a.m just crying Mm. because there was the only thing that helped was having a bit of hot water on my um on my pelvis but it was 2 a.m and I was so exhausted and I couldn't go out and I couldn't leave the house and I couldn't have fun because I was terrified of every anything causing pain, and I was terrified of going for a wee. Yeah, yeah. And you can't choose to not wee. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. No choice. If you need to wee, you need to wee. Like that is it. And it's and it is debilitating. And I don't think if I look at myself and how I was, you know, before the really serious pain started, it does change you. Mm-hmm. And you start to appreciate the small things so much more, don't you? And you start to appreciate like all the the good things and the things which you can actually do again without, I can go for dinner without being concerned now, you know, like I can go for a drink with a friend without being concerned or worried. And, you know, but you, I don't think that you ever stop being grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we do know we've now got research on it that chronic pain just does change the brain it it structurally changes the brain um and there are ways to reverse that um which is a whole other podcast episode but it really comes down to what you're doing right vagus nerve regulation like calming down the nervous system um the practices that help to to um increase like certain parts of the brain like meditation and yoga um so that is part of how we get stuck into this this pain loop because the brain is actually changing. Just a reminder that this episode is sponsored by BU. These natural patches last for 12 hours so they bring you prolonged relief and can begin working on relaxing your muscles before the pain kicks in so you're prepared even if your period comes during the middle of the day. Some people even find that wearing them a night before their period can really help soothe the inflammation in the area. To shop, just head to link in my show notes. I'd really also like to just dig a bit deeper into the estrogen piece, simply because we are, you know, this is a podcast about endometriosis. We talk about estrogen a lot. We talk about Mm. it in the context of... um, you know, estrogen dominance or excess estrogen sometimes, and also how estrogen can be can be a fertilizer for endo. So a lot of people see estrogen as a bad thing, and it's not. You know, it's it's so important to yeah. our health, but with endo, we need to keep it in check. So, what is your uh, 
you know, general approach, because um, I know you have to tailor to each person, but do you have a general approach to raise an estrogen? Do you see, I mean, typically I see that it's like nutrient deficiencies or or stress or kind of over-exercise and depleting estrogen. Are there any kind of things that you see depleting estrogen that you work on with your clients? A big one is the gut. Mm. So particularly, got things like excess estrogen you know the first thing that I'll look to check is the gut um, and honestly the first thing that I do with every single client regardless of what their symptoms are is we work on the nervous system because you can do all of the protocols and practices and diets and things in the world to treat hormone imbalances or gut imbalances or anything but ultimately if your nervous system isn't functioning in a better way and your body's not back into rest and digest then you know, we're not going to actually start seeing as much of a change as we would like within, you know, hormone balancing or gut balancing, to be honest. So that is the absolute first thing I do. Um, And then we sort of see what's happening on a hormone level to then check. um, And then we kind of then take it from there on a tailored approach, whether we start, you know, implementing different, different bits and bobs, or some people just feel more comfortable going to the doctors and asking for estrogen, which is also fine um and that's completely up to up to that person as well so we then sort of take it more tailored Mm. and do you I mean do you prefer to just use a standard like blood test or do you do you use a Dutch test for checking the estrogen levels so I actually do hair testing so I work with a yeah so I work with a clinic in the UK um they're wonderful they're fantastic and um, all of my clients will send off hair samples and that will sort of check for any mineral deficiencies, vitamin deficiencies. And then it goes a bit deeper. And so it'll check gut imbalances, hormone imbalances, like various different things. It actually picked up very interestingly for me some TMJ. Um, it'll then check kind of the systems in the body to see if there's anything under stress. Um, and it's very interesting. So that's that's the testing which I do. So I work with which is you know what I was saying with the gut specialist I tend to bring in different practitioners so that we can all play to our strengths yeah yeah obviously I can only do so much and I would rather get somebody the best and most comprehensive care that they can get if that means bringing in extra practitioners then you know then great so that's yeah, the testing I do that's so interesting because I've heard I don't use hair analysis but I know that it can be good for like mineral deficiencies mm-hmm. and nutrient deficiencies especially if someone is experiencing things like hair loss but I didn't know that they could test it tested for hormones so that's so interesting mm-hmm. okay and so something that I I don't know if you see this in your community but especially in the endometriosis community because endo is a lot on its own. If you then give someone an IC diagnosis, maybe a SIBO diagnosis, maybe a fibromyalgia diagnosis, like IBS, it goes on. It can be quite overwhelming (laughs) and time consuming. Um, And I'm just thinking as well, like, you know, referring out to practitioners is, I, I find it necessary too, because there's only so much one person can do like yeah. you know that's why a general practitioner is a general practitioner but you're not going to go to them if you've had a heart attack right you're going to go to a cardiologist so um <laughs> but I imagine seeing like multiple different people can can sometimes be overwhelming or trying to work on too much at once is there like are there any things that anything any strategies you use that are like kind of I don't really want to use this word, but for lack of a better word, like quick wins that can help someone feel like, you know, a tiny little bit better to give them the energy, to give them the motivation to move forward. So just to kind of give you an example, some of the clients that I see or students come to me, they're in so much pain that they can't even think about like, or what's an anti-inflammatory approach to eating for endo or what's what pelvic floor exercises can I try? They are just in this emergency state. So we we might look at using some ginger because ginger's a great pain reliever. Um, mm-hmm. Bit spicy on the bladder. So for people I see, <laughs> might might be fine for some people. It's not always great for my bladder, but I do use it for endo. Um, so is there anything that you use to help people get out that kind of emergency mode? Or do you just... Is it just about a 
slow process like for anyone who's just like oh I want to dive in but I just don't have the mental capacity what kind of would you mm-hmm. your approach be I do bi-weekly one-to-one calls with all of my clients mm-hmm. because something which I found is particularly helpful for them and something which you know I needed for myself when I was in pain is actually just speaking to someone and like dumping on them and yeah. saying this is going on I don't have the capacity to do X, Y, and Z. What can I do? And then we kind of take it slowly depending on their ability and their capacity. Um, Also within my program, we only go through very bite-sized chunks week by week so that, you know, we're not overloading with everything. And then we only bring in the external practitioners when they kind of feel that they're ready to do the gut protocol or whatever it is that we're bringing in next so that we very much take it step by step of what's convenient for that person because you know we can't rush anyone on this and a lot of the time people come and they haven't slept properly in weeks because of pain and anxiety and various other things that could be going on and so the first thing we do is we do actually work on the nervous system but another thing and something which I found is that sometimes in fact most of the time People literally just want to be told this is what you need to do. This is because they don't, there's there's no capacity to think of anything else. And people actually just need to be told this is what you need to do. And one of my, um, was it somebody in my community said to me, it feels like I'm staring at a really messy room and I just don't know where to begin. Mm we do is I kind of handhold which I don't actually like to do because everybody's healing is their own responsibility but I think at the beginning where people are and I was in exactly the same way they are so exhausted by just having to cope with so much pain they do actually need somebody to just handhold them and guide them through the next steps to kind of get them into a position where they're able to do an so we don't start an elimination diet for at least six weeks Mm -hmm. And I usually don't bring them in with a gut specialist until about a month in unless there's various other things which I can see going on, which need immediate attention. So we do everything very slowly. So usually when we start working on the nervous system, you know, some of my clients have had results within two weeks. One of my clients who I started with a couple of months ago was off all of her sleep medication and sleeping through the night within two and a half weeks. Wow. So from working on the nervous system, giving a few tips on lifestyle changes, you know, to really get that circadian rhythm started again and um, and working on different things in the body, which we can do. So obviously it's all dependent on each person and what's actually going on for them. But it's just a case of going slowly and we can actually see quite quick results when we do go nice and slow. That's incredible. So for, I guess, to kind of give people an idea of what to expect um, mm-hmm. in your practice, how long do you see, I know it's going to be different for every person, but how long do you see it take to begin like reducing symptoms? Um, and do you see it being possible to completely resolve symptoms? Yeah. Um, so I work with my clients for a minimum of four months anyway, mm-hmm. because there does need to be prolonged care there. Um, I've seen people have reduction in symptoms in as little as two weeks. Um, I've also seen people who have a reduction in symptoms much later on. So it really does just depend. Um, it's kind of a how long is a piece of string yeah. uh, question. But, you know, I've seen symptoms being reduced in yeah as little as two weeks. Others, it does take a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I will say is, you know, resolving IC, obviously it is classed as incurable which I think is a really scary part of being diagnosed as well because you're suddenly told you're stuck with this incurable thing and it's often we're given very few um, treatment options which we would like Um, but you know people can go back I live a normal life you know I live a completely normal life yeah I've got to be a little bit more careful than you know the average person but one of my clients we finished working together just before Christmas Uh, she lives in the States and she's been traveling around Europe this summer. Wow. So she's been with her four-year-old and they've been traveling around Spain. They went on, you know, on a wonderful holiday, the two of them, because she's a Spanish teacher. And um, and she wanted to come to Spain. She used to live here and they went traveling around. So it is, you know, it is possible. And it's also important to acknowledge that 
if we do have small flares or small relapses, it's actually fine because the important thing is having the tools to understand how to, you know, how to work on them to make sure that nothing gets too severe and to make sure that we're feeling good as quickly as possible again. Yeah, absolutely. And like a flare doesn't mean like it's back like full time, right? It's just something's triggered it at that stage in time. Maybe it was a perfect storm and to try and not like spiral into thinking well this is it now I've got you know that's it clear it's so I mean I had a very small flare back in April um just because there was so much going on and I wasn't looking after myself Mm. and I had a small flare but within you know it never got bad it was never debilitating it was just to be honest it was just irritating more than anything and it was gone within a few days or a week because you know when you've got the practices there and you don't and I would literally I remember going up and down the stairs you know trying to get some some movement in just sort of between between work calls and um just saying to myself out loud don't spiral don't spiral Mm. don't spiral why don't spiral because actually and I sounded crazy to any of my neighbors that probably (laughs) (laughs) but it was so important and I didn't spiral right Mm. because that's such a big part of it yeah that that's so important it's the same with my endo like I don't have a painful period anymore um but if I overdo it one month on like I don't know sugar or I mean that that would be really what would trigger it um then you know maybe I'll get like a higher pain level like instead of having like a one or a zero I'll be at a four and but I know exactly what to do to manage it and I don't think that okay next month is going to be bad again I because I'm now in this place where the pattern is that I have no pain to very low pain periods that's the pattern now the pattern isn't that most of the time I have painful periods right so I can I can kind of settle into that knowledge. Well, actually, it's probably not going to suddenly be terrible periods for the rest of my life because most of the time they're not. Um, Okay, so where would you suggest that someone gets started if they're new to healing like IC or they're recently diagnosed or they suspect it? Can you tell us where they can find your work and how they can get involved? Yeah, definitely. So I feel like looking back on my journey, the you know, a really big first step is actually education, right? And we can do so much with finding out all of the information, but I found it so deeply overwhelming with everything that I found online. Um, because ultimately, you actually, I don't know if this makes sense, so let me know if it doesn't. <laughs> you can't know what you don't know you don't know. Yeah, 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 you absolutely. Know what I mean, like, if you don't know that you don't know something that could be actually what's affecting your symptoms. And it's all about sort of putting together the pieces of a puzzle, I think is, I can't remember who had that saying for IC, but it really is the the best way to look at it because there's so many different components and factors because you could have, you know, you could be slightly in every single subtype of IC, right? It doesn't mean that you're stuck in one. We can overlap within all of them. Um, so something really amazing, which I'm so proud of, which I've put together, um, is called the IC retreats. And I think it's such a wonderful place for, for anyone to start really, whether you've had IC for 15 years or you've had it for, you know, two months, it doesn't really matter. There's what I've done is I've created a kind of three day weekend where we're bringing together over 15 hours of specialists, um, to talk about different parts of IC. So you're coming on to do a wonderful session about the IC endo and SIBO connection, um, because that's such a big part of it as well, right? It's such, there's such a big overlap there. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got a fantastic Eurogyno who's, um, very experienced with IC, We've got gut specialists, hormone specialists. We've got pain brain specialists, nervous system specialists, sort of mindset coach, who's actually my sister, oh. <laughs> who's a psychologist. Um, we've got loads of things like that. And we've also got Jill Osborne, who's the founder and president of the IC Network. She's coming on to do a session um, about sort of going into much more depth around the subtypes of IC and kind of the symptoms and how we know exactly which subtype we actually have. Um, and then we're bringing in a much more wellness retreaty feel to it because 
I felt like when I was in pain, I love going to the spa. I love doing things like, you know, yoga or various different things. And it was either incredibly inaccessible because I couldn't go an hour without going for a wee or it hurt or I just didn't feel comfortable going. So we brought in Pelvic Floor Yoga, who's being run by um, a wonderful woman, Penny, who's got chronic pelvic pain herself and has actually worked to, you know, to put herself into a really good position um, using pelvic floor yoga. We've got um, psychedelic breath work to come and work on the nervous system. We've got somebody coming in to talk about sex with pelvic pain. Um, We've got so many different things that we're kind of bringing together the medical and the holistic to kind of combine everything so that we've got that science there, right? We've got all of that really important information, but we've also got different healing modalities, which are so important as well when we're looking at IC. Um, So that is actually from the 16th to the 18th of September. So I wanted to have it in IC Awareness Month, um, which I thought was really important Mm. because we're bringing so much awareness within that weekend. Everything's recorded as well, and uh, we'll have um, unlimited replays for four weeks of that as well, because obviously there's a lot that we're fitting in (laughs) in three days. You know, people have lives and may actually just not be able to sit there for seven hours a day and watch, you know, various people going on about different things. So, yeah, that's kind of my main thing that we've got at the moment. I do also do one to one, but I think that this is such a fantastic um, fantastic place to start to really get all the information which is so hard to get access to and to get all of the, you know, the specialists and everything. So, yeah, that's that's the best place I would say to start in my in my opinion. <laughs> it sounds amazing. Even as a practitioner talking at it, like as a patient with IC, I'm like, okay, I can already think about the ones that I want to attend. So yeah, I mean, I'm a patient, so and I'm excited. So um it sounds fantastic. And thank you for putting this into the world because I don't think there is another one that exists, right? I don't think that there's another I don't think yeah. so either, but then- careful to say things like that in case someone comes out of the woodwork and is like hey hang on <laughs> okay well I'm saying it no one criticized Joanna I haven't seen another I mean there are so many gut retreats and um SIBO retreats and there's an endometriosis summit there's all of these things but I haven't heard of an IC one so um everything in one place because one big part of it is letting people support you and letting people feed you that information right mm. so that you don't have to spend hours a day which is what I did trying to figure out what what the hell was going on or looking for the next kind of miracle tablet that was going to really work for my symptoms yeah absolutely it's, it's so important and I think it's going to be so helpful so if anyone wants to sign up I'm going to put the link um, in the show notes but did you want to just give us the website where people can check out tickets and things like that yeah so it's just um it's just the icretreat.com um everything's on there and jessica's also got a discount code as well for ten dollars off as well so yeah it's super exciting um i can't wait thank you <laughs> i'm really really excited for it and um yeah just bringing everybody all together and kind of creating a community of kind of proactive healers as well was the a big goal as well so that everybody's in the same boat with the same knowledge and the same information yeah, absolutely. I can't wait. There's so many people I want to learn from. So um, yeah, thank you for bringing us all together. So that's it. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about what I do or read more on endometriosis and living well with it, um, you can head to my Instagram page, which is this underscore endolife. Um, you can head to my website, which is www.thisendolife.com. And you can also get um, a free guide to managing endometriosis naturally on my website. Um, I've put the link in my show notes. It's a beginner's guide to getting started and all of the areas that I um, have worked on to help reduce my endometriosis symptoms and pain and live well with endometriosis. As always, if you like this show, please rate, review and or subscribe really truly does help others to hear the podcast and hopefully will help them to live better with endometriosis this episode was produced by the pod farm whether you're an established podcaster or just getting started visit thepodfarm.com to see how they can help you go from an idea to a finished show that's ready to be heard by the world 